Hey friend, it's Forrest, your favorite librarian. Thanks for joining me. Let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome to episode six. At your best, you are loved. <laughs> you know, thank you for joining me for tonight's episode. If you are under the sound of my voice, then happy Tuesday and happy week. I'm a bit late as I took Monday to drive across state to visit my family in the low country. But thank you for joining me. Tonight I wanted to discuss the importance of your personal glossary and definition, refining and strengthening your boundaries, and the importance of reading and how it truly illustrates that you are not alone, and the permission to feel that you are provided with each narrative and representation of great inclusivity as it illustrates and articulates each strength, issue, and also struggle from cultural narratives that add a color of insight to any community or opportunity you're able to examine. But before we get started, let me provide you a great selection of titles that will guide you through this week's episode. The first, The Sisters Are Alright, Changing the Broken Narrative of Black Women in America. The second edition by Tamara Winfrey Harris. Black Fatigue, How Racism Erodes the Mind, Body, and Spirit by best-selling author of inclusive, of, excuse me, of inclusive conversations, and we can't talk about that, Mary Frances Winters. The third title, which is one of my favorites, Your Black Friend and Other Strangers, Ben Passmore who is a great illustrator and a phenomenal activist. And the last, and this week's honorable mention, Permission to Feel, Unlocking the Power of Emotions to Help Our Kids, Ourselves, and Our Society Thrive by Mark Brackett, to whom is also the director of the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence and also a professor, a professor excuse me, for Yale's Child Study Center. So tonight, you are surrounded by and amongst an orbit of great literature, great minds, but also great information and insight. And first, when you listen to the song, one of my favorites by the Isley Brothers, At Your Best, it's one of my favorite R&B but soulful songs, and it truly illustrates something that I'm also navigating, and that's communicating the meaning and the necessities of my terms and how I satisfy that. So let's get into this week's first topic, your personal glossary and definition. And what does your favorite librarian mean by that? When we discuss and examine your personal glossary and definition, these are a list of terms based upon your connotation that represent your experiences, your education, your traumas, or ways that you have approached healing. And this is essential for others to understand how they can best support, serve, or see or hear you. When you are in pursuit of being visible and also allowing that vulnerability to be seen in any space, whether personal or professional, you are communicating your meanings and the necessities, the bare minimums of specific terms. And let me give you an example, more personal. For myself, I navigate life with great anxiety. And for many, they may not understand or interpret this accurately as I am an animated introvert. 
And the way I communicate my definitions and my glossary of terms is that I try to give them terms that I use or other terms that they may be familiar with that have a different definition for me. For example, when I inform others that I navigate life with some anxiety, the first thing they ask or primarily is, do I engage therapy or how's therapy going for me? And I try to inform them that although the um, traditional understanding of anxiety is that there is an, an uncontrollable collection of feelings that not only the person navigating them, but also those supporting them will have to deal with. And I try to, not in the sense that it's my responsibility or my task, but be as transparent as possible. And also I'm able to also articulate to them that my struggles are mine and not a burden that they would have to take on if they do so or choose to support me. And when I give them these terms, these are also tools for them to understand how best to support and serve me. You know, in one of tonight's um, titles, The Sisters Are Alright, Changing the Broken Narrative of Black Women in America, by one of my favorite authors, Tamara Winfrey Harris. She has these two chapters that really stood out to me. Chapter two, Wet Ass Pussy. It's on page 33, if I'm not mistaken. And chapter eight, fuck it, I'll do it myself. It talks about how when you establish certain standards, goals, and loosely used expectations for yourself, you're able to understand what you're able to give yourself consistently, effortlessly, and also duplicate through your works and service for others. And you know, I truly believe that term, you cannot give what you do not have. So what you give yourself effortlessly is a reflection of what you can give others. And so in chapter eight of The Sisters Are All Right, the second edition chapter eight power fuck it i'll do it myself has a great introduction and i want to read it tonight to give us some bit of context and it reads the 2008 national election brought more than 20 black women to the united states congress a record number in 2020 america elected its first woman vice president kamala harris a biracial HBCU graduate and member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, one of the oldest black Greek organizations in the country. Black women are leading a revolution in Dixie, turning Virginia and Georgia blue. Three women founded Black Lives Matter movement, soaring the seeds for the modern civil rights movement and Me Too campaign against sexual violence and harassment. A black woman started that too. The treatment of these community activists, change makers, and public servants is an example of how black women are dealing and discounted and snubbed, even as they labor for the greater good. How Jezebel, Sapphire, and Mammy can stalk black women right into halls of power and front lines of revolution. But black women continue and their continuous sacrifice and bold leadership demonstrates resilience and dedication to getting it not just themselves free, but everyone. How black women yield power and also cultivate such powerful power is a mirror of how they move 
in an unjust world. And I truly believe this. And you know, that beautiful introduction by such a phenomenal author, Tamar Winfrey Harris, is truly refreshing. And for me as a black queer woman, it allows me to be seen and heard, you know, in many spaces, primarily professional, when something is not executed as far as an executive decision where others understand their delegated task, I find myself meeting and rising to that charge, that challenge. And it allows me to see the strength and the range of my skill. And I'm able to truly see the power of my definition of certain terms that I use as parameters, as margarine, as margarines for my life, but also I'm able to strengthen the glossary I have and better communicate that to others. You know, having a glossary of terms that best res- represents your strengths, your education, your experience, your trials, your traumas, your healing process, and simply your process to elevating to your highest self, to a greater consciousness, these things are essential, but when you do not master the ability and the skills to communicate these these wonderful elements of who you are, you snub the importance of them. So not only do I charge you to create your own personal glossary and its definitions for each terms, but also what happens when you do not meet or satisfy your terms of these wonderful definitions that represent you? How do you communicate these terms and meanings? How are they recognized? How are they shared and celebrated? So, when you are exploring this topic, your personal glossary and definition, I also charge you to consider reading the title, The Sisters Are Alright, Changing the Broken Narrative of Black Women in America. It's a beautiful title by Tamara Winfrey Harris, which leads me into our second topic of this week's episode, Refining and Strengthening Your Boundaries. One beautiful title that I love, Black Fatigue, How Racism Erodes the Mind, Body, and Spirit by Mary Frances Winter is a beautiful title. Mary Frances Winter is also the best-selling author of Inclusive Conversations, and we cannot talk about that at work. Now, this title is brilliant as it explores a wealth of information. So, racism is killing black people. Not only psychologically, culturally, men- mentally, but in all other aspects that are have not yet to be defined in academia. But it's not just the erotrosis, it's not just the complexities that break it into mainstream news cycles. It's also what award-winning diversity, equality, and inclusive expert Mary Frances Winter calls black fatigue. And the crushing, the crushing physical and emotional toll of dealing with constant streams of racism and microaggressions and acts and attitudes from the clueless to the cruel to the criminal. Black fatigue goes deep into the roots and describes the enduring negative impact of systematic racism, economically, health-wise, in the workplace, educational primary, traditional, higher education, and all other social outcomes for black people and those that contribute and benefit from the black experience. And as she offers strategies, black people and people of the diaspora can use to protect themselves in so many other aspects against black fatigue. The title also discusses how non-black people can begin 
or continue to actively dismantle racist systems that cause it. You know, it's a truth that is told. And there are certain parts of this book that really stand out to me, like chapter five, the many layers of black fatigue. I think it's along uh, page 96 or 97. But before we get into that, I want to highlight the significance of Mary Frances Winter's credentials. She's the founder and president of the Winter's Group Incorporated, a diversity, equality, inclusion consulting firm. She's also an award-winning consultant, but her title, we can't talk about that at work, is probably one of the most best-selling but also must-have in your workplace environment or as a resource for any supervisor, non-managerial, managerial, or anyone that wants to go into corporate America or that has issues or may not truly understand or have the proper tools to navigate any environment, whether professional or personal, dealing with racial-inspired or racial-targeted topics or events or experiences. And so we can't talk about that at work. It's such an essential title, not only for entrepreneur entrepreneur beginnings and environments but also professional whether it be corporate or public or private um, environments as well as academia and I do believe it should be put on not only syllabus or syllabi of higher education but for also business and definitely mass comm and English it's so so fruitful in its knowledge as every word bears a fruit of wisdom that you can take back and you know when I look at chapter five the many layers of black fatigue there's a portion that winters highlights it's entitled race sexual orientation or gender identity religion and citizenship and the first beginnings just truly embrace me with warmth let me just share a bit of it with you because it talks about the distinctions and also how differences are interchangeable and how they represent different permutations of intersectionality. And it reads, race and sexual orientation are just two permutations of intersectionality, a term coined by Kimbrella Crenshaw, a professor of both Columbia Law School at the University of California, Los Angeles, originally to address the exclusion of black women in feminist and anti-racist discourse. The, de- the definition now takes on a broader meaning. Intersectionality recognizes groups, identifies, and also identities such as race, gender, sexuality, class, religion, ability, citizenship, immigration status, age, and so on, overlap and intersect in dynamic ways. And it truly shapes and continues and continuously reshapes an individual's experience. There are multiple forms of privilege and oppression based upon various combinations. And yet, when we look at the title Black Fatigue, we're able to see how racism, whether on a macro or micro level, truly shapes the infrastructure of not only the cultural body, but also how it affects the spirit, either spiritually or fundamentally with religion or any structure of religion. And yet the mind subsequently is affected by this. But yet mental health, as it is becoming a priority culturally for the black community, people of color, but yet when we examine how it has historically become a priority, it reflects the 
the journey of personhood for people of color, but primarily black individuals. And yet there is a fatigue that is overlooked. And so I am so appreciative and celebrate the work of Mary Frances Winters with Black Fatigue. Her title is so wonderful and it it verbalizes and defines the boundaries that represent how support looks for us, not only as a culture, as a community, but for those that support us that aren't, that do not have access to our history or our culture or our insight or our circulation of information that constantly changes our cultural or communal image. So there's constantly a rebirth when we are looking or when we consider the idea of progress or being proactive, we are constantly changing, and we should when we should expect to change in a sense. And that's something that I want to encourage others. When you read a title, when you read not only whether it be a, a long length of literature like a novel or novella, or short like a collection of short stories, or a chapbook or of poetry or even a comic strip like myself like I said before my favorite genres of literature and a lot of people give me shit about this my favorite genre of literature definitely has to be one poetry two novellas three comic books or graphic novels now that's because I love 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 the satisfaction and the interaction of art you're able to interpret based upon your experience or what resonates with you which brings me to my third title, which I love by Ben Passmore. Your Black Friend and Other Strangers is a beautiful title. And it brings me into my third topic, which is probably going to be the bulk of this week's um, podcast. <laughs> you know, we've discussed your personal glossary and definition. Our first topic. Our second was refining and strengthening our boundaries. Or your boundaries and what that looks like. What happens when your terms are not met or satisfied? What are distinctions and differences? How do you verbalize and define boundaries that represent how support looks for you? Which brings me into my third topic for this week's episode. You are not alone. I say this all the time and I've said this in almost every episode. But I I really want to hone in on this point. Because... Excuse me. As an introvert myself, but regardless of how you identify, reading provides visibility. It celebrates and circulates the importance of community, but also it circulates information. And with the title, Your Black Friend and Other Strangers by Ben Passmore, just the art and the cultural references and his personal experiences as a black activist and what activism looks like in other bodies really is telling. And maybe I may get canceled for what I'm about to say, but fuck it. There's a portion of the book that really turned me off. I'm not going to lie. Along page 42, there's a portion where he meets a white ally. And through their similarities, he's able to see her intentions. And, you know, the road to intentions is paved. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. But yet... I believe through the narrator's ability to recognize similarities, he overlooked their differences and how their origins define how differently they are. And and although this is obvious for some, it's not for the two characters that are being examined. 
And there's a portion of the book I want to read to you, so maybe you can arrive to your own conclusions. And entirely before I read this portion, the main character, to whom is a black illustrator and a wonderful activist and a wonderful person, meets a black, um, he meets a white female activist in her older years. She's well seasoned and she shares with him about her time as an activist and her time with different people of color communities, basically articulating that she's put in the work. She's had her boots on the ground for many years, not as having an invitation to the cookout, but she can bring whatever dish she wants to the cookout. So let me read you this passage. It's on page 42 and it reads, Black militant group, only one white member, and you're looking at her. We believe that real freedom for black people had to be taken and that acting polite was just what the racist wanted. Polite meant being safe enough for the white people to handle. I was there during the Baltimore riots. You hear about the summer riots in the late 60s and 70s. News said it was hooligans, but I saw it. Everyone was on the streets, whole families, whole communities were fighting for black power. I was sure we would win, topple the whole racist system. And an onlooker, a white man says, all my friends are dead or in prison. That's what happens to revolutionaries, black revolutionaries anyway. I made it out. I'm all alone. No one understands what we are fighting for. The main character looks at both of them and says, but you understand, right? Aren't you on fire like me? And then in a cut scene, you see the narrator, a black male, man, cisgendered, and a white woman boning in the bushes. Now, I'm not here to judge, but I don't think... Providing a woman uh, the D is any representation of solidarity. Or if it is, I think you need to do a little bit more deep diving. That's just from my objective opinion. And even if you did have such great similarities, what you decide to do with your body, your choice, your life is up to you. And how you define and stand up and also rationalize that decision consciously or subconsciously is up to you. But we could also only criticize and also explore what you provide us and what you have provided is what we want to explore currently right now and if a person of color were to reward a non-person of color an ally with their body or share their body for a communal uh, a romantic experience let's say that a romantic experience that's up to you i primarily wouldn't do that or would consider or validate or define that as solidarity or sharing an experience that's um ooh, friend i in all seriousness let me just talk to you like you were my friend i would look at you like friend what the hell is going on you met a random white woman and she told you that she went to a few marches and all of a sudden you feel the need to just provide a release you know you didn't think that through you didn't think that through friend you th you think through the summaries of books you don't want to read more than you did that decision but I'm in the wrong. Okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, definitely check out your black friend and other strangers uh, by Ben Passmore. It's a beautifully illustrated title by a black illustrator. 
It's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. There's also a few other chapters in the book that I love. Um, on page uh, 21, a letter from Stone Mountain Jail. Uh, there's another, Ben and the Porn, uh, Goodbye and the Vampire, other great chapters of your black friend and other strangers, which leads me into um, my last but not least uh, topic of this week's episode. And this week's episode, which I definitely want to remind you that please check out some of the titles that I provided. You know, we've spoken about The Sisters Are All Right, Changing the Broken Narrative of Black Women in America by Tamara Winfrey Hill. We've also spoken about Black Fatigue, uh, how racism erodes the black how racism erodes the mind, body, and spirit by Mary Frances Winters, and also one of my favorites, who's by a great uh, black illustrator, Your Black Friend and Other Strangers by Ben Passamore. The last title, which is one of my favorite titles that my mother actually suggested, is The Permission to Feel, Unlocking the Power to of Emotions to Help Our Kids, Ourselves, and Society Thrive by Mark Brackett. You know, this title, wow. I wow let me just start there this title not only helps you to understand label analyze examine but but truly interpret emotions and it also provides a portion where you can see truly how to properly apply the emotional skills for optimal well-being and success whether at home at school from preschool to college to work and in the work environment, you know, it divides, you know, a wealth of knowledge into three portions. The first is the permission to feel with emotions or information and how to become an emotion scientist, how to become a, a, a professional for your own universe of information, of emotional intelligence, and how to utilize that insight. You know, Mark Brackett, to who is a professor of Yale University's Child Study Center and a founding director for Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. And his years as a as an emotion scientist, he's really developed an effective plan to, in some ways, improve the lives of children and adults. And it's a blueprint to understand emotions and using them wisely so that they can help rather than hinder your success and well-being. You know, the core approach of his work is his childhood as much psychology is stemmed from childhood <laughs> no pun intended but from you know his uncle he was able to receive permission to feel through his experience his relationship with his uncle mark brackett was able to with his uncle the first adult who managed to see him listen to him recognize his suffering that he endured that was the beginning of an awareness for Mark and how he articulates in the book what he was going through was temporary. What he what he wasn't he, that he wasn't wrong to feel scared, isolated and angry now that he could do something about it as the adult, you know. We are not always the adult we needed in many situations in hindsight or even navigating them as children. And yet the inner child will always be with us. But as the adult consciously, we're able to reparent and build trust so that our inner child will not act out or behave in ways that we subconsciously or consciously cannot control or acknowledge 
or define or anticipate, but that we as the adult are able to make the best decisions for our inner child and also develop that trust where our inner child can be seen, heard, felt, and understood without having to give or feel as though the relationship is a is a parasocial or a give and take. And that loving your inner child is something that is solely for progression, to be proactive, to be fruitful, and to be whole hearted in your healing and in your journey of growth and so permission to feel is a title that I believe it helped me to understand how to define being seen how to define being heard how to define and express and ask for validation in other ways and how to define love and you know through his research and through the root of emotional well-being his prescription is a system called ruler you know in the book it's a high impact and high effective approach to understanding and mastering emotions so in thousands of schools whether professional or private they have adapted this already ruler and you're able to see so many in a graph if you're able to illustrate it four compartments high energy low energy and through that you have low pleasantness and high pleasantness and when you look on this low pleasantness area in the low pleasantness that's more low energy you have disgusted and disappointed and down and sad and bored when you look at the low pleasantness of high energy you have enraged and livid and fuming and anxious and uneasy and restless, intense, and jittery. And these words help us to understand what we're going through or what we have or where we want to be. So when we look on the other area of the graph that he's illustrated for us, when we look at high pleasantness in a low energy, we look at blessed, chill, calm, at ease, easygoing, fulfilled, touched, carefree, serene, tranquil. But on a heighten of that, when we look at high pleasantness and a high energy, it's more thrilled, proud, focused, energized, hyper, motivated, exhilarated, upbeat. So he gives us these, in a sense, cardinal points to provide or to refine on our moral compass as we not in a sense provide ourselves permission to feel, but we grant ourselves that permission to use. So that way, when we unlock the power of these emotions, they help not only ourselves, the inner child, but the society that we want to thrive in and see. And there are some great portions of this book that I really enjoy. You know, in the second portion of this book, the ruler skills, recognizing, understanding, labeling, expressing and regulating emotions are some of the things that he breaks down. And so part two is some of is the greatest portion of this book you know it combines the science and the permission and truly the inspiration of equal part in equal parts but to many who are suffering a lack of awareness will not allow you to truly develop those emotional skills and so their feelings are your feelings and the emotional unskilled won't be able to navigate as successfully but this book provides you that fulcrum that wealth and insight of information so you can make the best decisions and so friend I really want you to be your best but understand that at your best you may feel that you may feel as though you are loved but you are loved in all facets and extensions of who you are whether at your best at your lowest elevating or growing and so tonight 
I want to encourage you to do whatever serves you. If that means putting down a book and not reading it for a few days or picking up a book and opening it just for a few moments. Do what supports and serves you. But as we mentioned at the beginning of this week's episode, your personal glossary and definition of terms should support and serve or refine that support or how others can serve you in ways that can be reciprocated eventually or ultimately. And how you communicate these terms, meanings, and the necessities of such is important. And titles like your, The Sisters Are Alright will, will support you. And when you want, which moves me into our second topic that we discussed, refining and strengthening your boundaries, titles like Black Fatigue will assist you as you define distinctions and differences, but verbalize and define boundaries and how they represent and support you. But as you continue to journey and read, remember you're not alone. And that's what we discussed as as far as the importance of visibility and also how it celebrates and circulates the importance of community, but also how similarities aren't everything as we saw with black friends and other strangers with Ben Passmore and how when you understand your wants from your needs, it's a difference and it defines distinctively company from compassion and understanding and how these things are itemized and individual and the last title and topic permission to feel is something i want you to explore examine and define that being seen heard validated and loved are part of that emotional hug you can feel in any environment with anyone as long as you understand your terms your definitions and your glossary of support and service but also strengthen and refine your boundaries And you know, friend, I wholeheartedly believe in you as a licensed librarian, as a wonderful, wonderful friend and reader, as an advocate of history, as an activist in my own culture and community. I want you to understand that not only do you have an ally, but you have a friend. And that's why I refer to all of you as my friends. We're in this together, but even if we do not have identical experiences or even similar, I value your experience i value your trauma and what you are navigating and healing and your healing is just as beautiful as the trauma you've experienced because it has made you who you are or has defined an extension of who you are and that person is wonderfully made you know friend tonight has been wonderful and i can't wait to see how this week's titles resonates with you as always i love you And I hope you continue to read. (laughs) You're not alone. There is something for you. As always, this has been wonderful and fun. Remember, friend, you are not alone. There is something for you. Continue to read. And if you need more black or queer literature, check out my website, favoritelibrarian.com, or my Instagram, favoritelibrarian. Until next time, continue reading and prioritize your (laughs) self-love.